0: Hello and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 53. Today I'm going to talk about Lilith. She is one of my absolute favorite goddesses and archetypes to work with. I'm going to talk about the history, some mythology and lore, um, and how to incorporate her into your practice if you feel called to do so. Lilith, for me, um, she's the original feminist. She embodies uh, self-confidence and empowerment that I, I absolutely love. Um, she was the original queen of the Garden of Eden. She rocked the status quo and this caretaker of all that is lost and downtrodden. Her energy is something that I've reached for a lot in the last, I don't know, six months, maybe a year. I don't like politi- bleh, politics, so I'm not going to get into any of that, but here in the U.S., women's, women's rights have had a bit of an attack on them for the last couple years, and I feel like Lilith is the energy that I need to call on to combat that and deal with that and feel like I'm doing something about it. But before we get into too much of Lilith, I, I want to share something with all of you that I decided to do, um, I don't know, it's been over a couple weeks ago now? If you're a listener from the beginning, I'm sure you know that I've been trying to manage depression. It's been a part of my life for a really long time, and I have had ups and downs and good times and really bad spouts or bouts of it. I've done everything from herbs to counseling. And then the beginning of this whole process, I did try a prescription drug. And my first introduction to prescription, um, to using a prescription to manage depression was a really bad one. I, it was prescribed to me by my primary care physician while I was in the Navy. And let's just say he was not near educated enough to be prescribing anything for a mental disorder. Um, I took one pill and it made me hallucinate. <laughs> and I, needless to say, I got a trip to the ER and gave them the bottle back and have sworn off trying any kind of prescription drug for management or my anxiety since. And that's been like, what, over 18 years or about 18 years ago. Um, cause it was, man, yeah, but about 18 years ago because, um, I had my daughter and, okay, so it's not been quite 18. It's been more like 17. Um, about a year later, I... Uh, was going through our divorce and it really really between taking care of her and being a single parent all of a sudden in San Diego I got overwhelmed started having panic attacks and my doctor's like sure I'll give you this pill um, and it'll make everything all better they didn't even suggest counseling they're just like oh you have postpartum depression and I'm sure that Maybe I mean, a year later, I don't know if that's what it was. I really do think it was probably my divorce and the stress and uh, feeling super alone. I didn't have any family out in San Diego, so I went through the divorce. I went through being a single mom and everything all by myself. I mean, I had my friends, um, and I really, really value and appreciate their help, but I felt very, very alone in that moment. And I'm sure the right prescription drug would have helped, but he gave me the wrong one. (laughs) So, lately, I don't know, things have gotten too much for me to manage with the tools I currently use. So, I manage my depression and anxiety using meditation, herbs, journaling. I have a ton of support from my husband and my daughter. And I think, I don't know, I think that last fall, everything... It just triggered every bad emotion I could possibly have. If you've been listening, you know that last year was kind of a, a really hard one for me. And last fall, there was a lot of stress with uh, my daughter getting bullied and the, the, the whole mess. You'll have to go back and listen if you haven't. I will I can uh, link the episode in the show notes so that you can hear all about, all about that. Um, but I think that it's silent now on that front and it's, I have time to breathe and I'm no longer needing to be in that fight or flight mode and I cannot get out of it. I, I just can't. And panic attacks have escalated to about three or three or more a week, which is a lot for me. Um, up until maybe like last October, I really hadn't had any to say, uh, to speak of in, in a really long time. And, my days are always a roller coaster of emotions. Like, in the morning, I'll get up, and it's the best day ever, because I'm a morning, I'm a morning person, and everything's fine, and everything's good, and, and noon hits, and I bottom out, and it's not moody, like, my period is causing me moody. It's It's the end of the world, and I want to take a nap all day, and I can't get out of bed. (laughs) That kind of thing. And then um, panic attacks are happening for no reason. I mean, they are subconsciously, but I'll just be going about my day. Like, the other day I was cooking dinner, and all of a sudden I just had a panic attack. It came out of nowhere. I started crying, and... um. My daughter really, really is supportive because she gets them too, so she understands how to support me through those, so she was there uh, through that one, uh, but most of the time I I can get a little bit of an inkling that it's going to happen, and I'll run in my room and hide in the bathroom and cry until it's over, <laughs> but I realize that it's affecting my day-to-day uh, life. I don't want to go out into public because I'm afraid that I'm going to have a panic attack, the depression has caused me to really fall behind on things I need to be doing. Um, I need to be writing my book. <laughs> I need to be um, being more proactive in my life as far as my health. And I have let it all go because I'm just, I cannot get out of this hole that I have dug for myself. So um, I had an appointment with my doctor a couple weeks ago. And. And I talked to her about my depression um, and my anxiety attacks, and I asked her to tell me what the side effects are for whatever prescription she would most likely prescribe me, how long I would have to be on them, and um, if if, if it was a good fit for me to try this. And she talked to me about all the side effects, and she said that she has a six-month plan to be ready to get off them by then, as long as I do like the emotional work, you know, in between then. And she really, I don't know, she spoke of the prescription as a way to give myself a break and allow me to be centered enough to focus on the whys of my depression and anxiety attacks, which right now I'm just still in fight or flight. I'm putting Band-Aids on my emotions (laughs) and trauma so that I can get through the day and I can't slow down enough to deal with it. So, anyway, I decided to give them a try and I've been on them for a little over 2 weeks and the worst side effect for me has been um an abnormally low heart rate. So, um right now I'm having a heart rate of about a resting one of about 53 and mine is already really low. I have a 58 to 60 beats per minute, um, uh, resting heart rate, but just that little drop really, the last, I don't know, four days, I about cannot function in the afternoon because it's, for some reason, that's when my heart rate drops a lot. Um, so, <laughs> so I experimented and I drank a shitload of coffee and Dr. Pepper and that brought my heart rate up, but, um, And then I couldn't sleep at night. So um, I talked to her and we cut my, um, some of my meds in half so that maybe my body just needs some time to get used to it since I have such a low heart rate. Um, So we cut it in half and I feel much, much better. And I was speaking to my friend yesterday and yesterday was the first day I felt better. I felt like a cloud was kind of lifting and I can see clearer, I can focus a little better when I um, read. So, I'm trying to read this awesome Stephen King book um, and I'm loving it so far, but normally I read super fast. I basically look at the whole page and I kind of process it and move on to the next. I read really weird. and. Lately, I've had to read normally. (laughs) Now, that's a dumb complaint, but I have to read it line by line, and sometimes I have to reread paragraphs because I just can't focus. And yesterday, I could read materials that I was researching and process it right away. So, I was like, oh my god, my brain (laughs) is starting to work, and it is awesome. Um, Oh, the other weird side effect I've got is that um, she, doc, my doctor told me that she said that it would make little, like in my forehead, I would feel little weird headaches. And for me, it, and she said it would go away in about two weeks, um, but they feel like little tiny nails driven into my forehead, which is super fun. And she said what that is, is my, and I'm going to paraphrase, like, it's my sad, dead brain synopsis finally waking up and it causes pain. I'm not really sure how all that works, but basically old pathways are waking up and it can cause pain for a little bit. Um, this morning I woke up with no headache, so woohoo for that. But I wanted to share this with you because I know that in, in, in my circle of friends, this is something that I can share freely with. Now, the community, this area, um, a lot of people I know that I'm not super close to, I know, have mentioned or made fun of people that have to go on mental disorder pills, and I would like to share that it's okay. (laughs) Like, It's something that I had to really think hard about because I don't like taking prescriptions at all. I have one prescription for my blood pressure and my goal is to get off that. But this is something I had to do for myself because my depression and anxiety was preventing me from living my life. (laughs) It was affecting my marriage and my relationship with my daughter. She shouldn't have to... um, see me struggle like that and see me do nothing about it and have to have her support me so, so much. I appreciate it, but, um, I want to be strong and well enough to be able to handle her issues and let, you know, I want to be able to I want her to feel like she can come to me with problems. And right now I know that she feels that I'm too fragile. So she does not want to. And my husband is also like, this is funny. So when he knows I'm in a bad mood, he'll come home from work with chocolate. And I've gotten chocolate like every day for a while. So (laughs) I know I had been pretty moody and... He knows that I'm upset, and that's he doesn't know what else to do because there's really nothing anybody else can do to help me. Chocolate for sure feels good, so I appreciate it. So I know that they both see me not well, and I thought that I was hiding it, and that's not healthy either, but it was affecting my life. And now that I've been on them for a couple weeks, um, I'm so glad that I did do that because it's the little things like I had to drag myself out of bed to get up in the morning and like this morning I was like okay I'm up and I left and then other things like getting up to do the laundry like I don't want to do laundry I don't want to do the mundane things because I just want to take a damn nap that's how I felt before this fog had lifted and Yesterday, I felt like I could conquer the freaking world because I feel better, and I wanted to share that with you guys. I don't want to sound like a drug commercial. That's not my purpose here. My purpose is just to share that you never know who might be struggling and need a little help, and when we make fun or make jokes about people that have to be on prescriptions for anxiety attacks or, Hey, did you take your pills today? That, that like comment that I've heard that often, like somebody's moody and they're like, dude, did you take your pills today? That's rude. Some of us do have to take pills <laughs> to deal with some of this stuff. And my goal is to do a lot of shadow work, dig into letting it go. My number one issue is rage. I have so much anger and rage built up from last year surrounding what happened to my daughter and us. And I don't know how to let it go. So I'm going to use the 6 months to work on releasing that anger and letting it go so that I can move forward. So anyway, I appreciate everybody listening and and being here with my journey and And thank you for just being witness to it all. Um, It's making me be accountable for some of this stuff. So, I do appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody's well wishes and and love. Okay. (laughs) So, enough about depression and anxiety. Let's talk about Lilith. So, in my search for gods and goddesses that resonate with me, like, during my journey in this path... I've tried to force the more popular ones into my practice. So Morrigan, uh, Hecate, Brigid, Persephone, and a handful of other male gods that never really did resonate. And I, and I, it's because those are the ones you see. And I do incorporated, incorporate most of the goddesses that I just mentioned into like different facets of my practice for sure. But Lilith is the one I turn to most often. She may not be the most popular, but for me, she, I don't know, she resonates so deeply within my being that she feels like she's a part of me, and I wanted to share her story and how I incorporate her into my practice. For me, she represents body autonomy, expression of sexuality, the feminist fight, (laughs) and she represents the misunderstood. She stands for what she believes in and for what she wants and needs and doesn't make apologies for it. And I love that about her. Early stories of Lilith um, came from ancient texts. uh, It's called the Babylonian Talmud, and it was developed over the third to sixth centuries. She is most often portrayed in some of these as a demonic female stealing babies in the night. (laughs) In the Talmud, it said that, and I'm going to quote, it is forbidden for a man to sleep alone in a house, lest Lilith get a hold of him. (laughs) Lilith is said to fertilize herself with the male sperm to give birth to other demons. I thought that was kind of weird and wackadoo and funny. (laughs) So, Talk about her origins. Um, the story of Lilith originated around 3,000 BCE, and a while, like as a wilderness spirit, as the dark maid or maiden. Um, she appears first in a Sumerian Sumerian myth called the Descent of Inanna. So this is a is a as the succubus. She was. Ref- Another reference appears on a tablet from the 7th century BCE found at Ar- uh, Arslan Tosh in Syria, which contains the inscription. So it's writing on these tablets, and it says, O flyer in a dark chamber, go away at once, O Lily, or Lili, which means Lilith. A magical bowl from the 1st century CE, written in Hebrew, reads, designated is this bowl for the stealing of the house of this ge- Geonai bar ma- Mamai, I'm trying to pronounce that wrong that there flee from him the evil Lilith um so it was like an ancient image of Lilith which shows her hand hands bound and they appear to be like a form of visual magic, whatever this thing is, as it was supposed to have contained her. So, it's like a binding, um, bowl, I guess. I'm not really sure. But anyway, those are some examples of the really early, um, mentions in history of her. In the alphabet of Sirach, it is estimated to have been written anywhere between around 700 and 1000 CE. It is a compilation of compilation, good God, I can't talk today, of two lists of proverbs. So, in this, there, he describes the first wife of Adam as being Lilith, created from the same dust as Adam. And the story goes that Adam tried to assert dominance over her and tried to make her lay beneath him. And she refused and fled the Garden of Eden after he tried to do that. Adam basically tattled, um, to God, and God sent three angels, Sensoi, S-Sensenoi, and mm, Samongeluf. Jesus, I suck at pronouncing shit. Sorry. And those three angels went to find Lilith, and it is said that she was found in a cave bearing children. Not sure how that happened, but okay. And to punish her, the angels said God would kill 100 of her children every day for her rebellion. Um, okay. And as revenge, she supposedly kills newborn babies, (laughs) but did not, did agree not to kill the ones that bear any of the amulets of these three angels. And it went on to say something about how boys are like in at risk for her taking them, uh, for eight days and then girls for 20 days. And the eight days had something to do with circumcision. I'm not sure about the 20 days. So then the story goes on to say that she snuck back into the Garden of Eden and seduced Adam. So basically tricking him into thinking that she was Eve and he, she uh, stole his seed and that's in quotes, (laughs) to create more babies. And they are called the Lilium, earthbound demons to replace her children that the angels had killed. So Lilith is also said to be responsible for male's wet dreams and impure thoughts. <laughs> Another story says that Lilith is impregnated, thus creating more demons by masturbation and erotic dreams. So basically, Lilith is a scapegoat for any male behavior that is thought to be evil or unclean or sexually deviant. Yay, patriarchy. Way to go. <laughs> um, One site did say that this, this is just like an extra little thing that I found. It was random. Said one site said that her breasts are filled with poison and that she is a sexually frustrated and infertile female who behaves aggressively towards young men. That just, that entire, that entire sentence like pissed me off (laughs) because she is used as like, the example of what the patriarch at the time deemed a shitty female. So if you wanted sex and couldn't have babies, you were worthless. Uh, and that's how they saw Lilith as this threat to, to them because she embodies everything, they hate. She's rebellious and independent and she wants body autonomy. And that, that kind of thinking, um, rocks the boat and they have to really, you know, it's going to cause them to lose control over their females. So the Lilith myth was used from the get-go as a cautionary tale to females and also for, uh men not to masturbate because you might be creating lilith's babies in the process um i want to talk about mentions of her in the bible in the Christian Bible. So let's first talk about the creation story in Genesis. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and I got these from the, I believe the King James Version Bible. So it says, so God created man on his, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He created man and female at the same time. It does not say anything in Genesis 1 about taking the rib or anything. It just says he was, they were created. And this is where Jewish lore takes Genesis 1 and says they are created together, Adam and Lilith. So, in Genesis 2, 21 through 25, it states that man was made first and woman from the rib of man. So, which one is it? (laughs) So, this is where the controversy, I believe, starts in the beginning. So, in Hebrew, Lilith or Lilith translates to night creatures, night monster, night hag, or screech owl. In Isaiah 34 uh, 14, the term Lilith or Lilith is first mentioned in a list of animals. So, they're listing just a bunch of random animals. Um, and when um, I looked it up, this is the King James Version. This is what the verse says. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest here to find her place, uh, herself a place of rest. Zero mention of Lilith in this particular translation. Um, in the King James Version, I found no Lilith at all. But, um, Lilith, when you, or Lilith, when you do the Google translation, just says Screech Owl. So, I did look to see if I could find this mentioning Lilith, and the New Darby Bible translation says, and I'd never heard of the New Darby Bible, but anyway. The translation of that verse in this Bible says, and there shall be beasts of the desert meet with the jackals, and the wild goat shall cry to his fellow. The Lilith shall also... Also shall settle there and find for herself a place of rest. Now, this one for sure refers to the word Lilith, but does it mean night creatures or the female person Lilith? (sighs) Night creatures could have been bats and screech owls. This one for sure mentions it, but Darby, this is, what I want to talk about Darby. Darby published a translation of the New Testament in 1867 with revisions in 1872 and 1884. It was translated from Hebrew, Hebrew to Greek by John Nelson Darby. So, this was a Hebrew to Greek translation, and then how we get it is, it's then translated from Greek to English. So, anyway, the guy was an attorney turned deacon and then founder of his very own church, the Church of Ireland. He was an Eng- he was uh, of English and Irish origin. He basically talked Catholics into joining his church, which really pissed them off, until the church got in the middle of it and made people swear loyalty to the king, which in turn meant to the church. So he stepped down from his leadership role there, and he did a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, he was big into the rapture and the doom and gloom of, of the Bible. I went, so I went on Google translator and I wanted to kind of play around with this word Lilith or Lilith, And I used it to translate Lilith to Hebrew and then another translator to copy and paste the Hebrew text back to English. And the definitions came up as owl or night spirit, but not as the person Lilith. Darby was big into doom and gloom, and being from a very patriarchal time in our history, I can make a pretty valid assumption that he knew the Jewish mythology surrounding uh, Lilith. And it isn't a big jump to say that he took the noun Lilith or Lilith in Hebrew and stuck a capital L on it to represent the person Lilith, giving her a demonic or dark reference in this ref- this version of the Bible. So, and this is all my amateur speculation. <laughs> this is just my take on it. When I read all the research and stories revolving around Lilith, it seems that the men of the church used the legend of Lilith to control men and demean women. The patriarchy used her as a scapegoat, the, scu- the succubus, and blamed her for men being seduced by other females. It wasn't me. It was the succubus. Then they turn female against female in some texts and suggest that she was the serpent sent to ruin the Garden of Eden and introduced sin to to Eve. So the first story wasn't good enough. So then they're like, wait, she came back and she tainted Eve. So they turn sister against sister. And you can blame Michelangelo for propagating that because he painted her as a half-serpent wrapped around the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. Super. So Irish novelist uh, James Joyce even deemed her the patron of abortions in his book Ulysses. So she isn't thought of as a positive um, archetype as far as the patriarchy goes. And I have the absolute opposite take on her. I think she is a badass, independent woman, and I think that she can give a lot of knowledge and insight to a lot of us. Whether you're male or female, or identify as male or female, I just think she is great for humanity in general. So, how do we honor Lilith and bring her into our practices? So let's start by correspondences. These are some that I looked up and some that I use myself. So her symbol is a crescent moon with a cross. She's also represented by snakes, owls, lions, poppy flowers, and of course the apple. Um, I really like to use the snake and the apple. Um, I know those are super biblical references for me considering I'm I want nothing to do with the Christianity part of things, but I feel like snakes um, originally represented knowledge, and I think the apple from the tree of knowledge and the snake represents her absolutely perfectly. Herbs that correspond with her are mugwort, belladonna, sandalwood, marjoram, and slippery elm. Uh, Crystals. Carnelian, onyx, red jasper, obsidian, black moonstone, and numite. I'm probably saying that one wrong. Uh, Colors, red, black, and yellow. I think that's funny. I love those colors. Um, There's a snake around here. I don't remember what kind it's, but there's a a snake that's red, black, and yellow. There's actually two kinds. One kind's poisonous and one kind isn't, but anyway. Um, But of course, you just go with what you feel is right when you are working with a deity find what resonates with you. These are just a mashup of things that I found. And um, I, as far as herbs go, I like to go with that Belladonna type stuff. We have Black Nightshade growing up all over out here. Um, so that's what I usually use when I'm working with her. It is poisonous. So if you do work with any black nightshade or belladonna, please, please, please be very careful. Do not ingest it. If you get it on your skin, it can cause irritation. Young children just getting on their skin can really, really do some damage. So please be careful when working with any of the, uh, more dangerous herbs, please. (laughs) So what do I use when do I use her? Um, I, and that's a bad phrase. I don't use her. I, um, ask for her assistance. I call on her to be a part of my life. And I call on her when I'm feeling less than confident. If I need empowerment during a spell, she's usually who I will, uh, uh, call on for, for that, for spells and rituals. And when I When I need, like, a badass goddess to help me kick some metaphorical ass, I'm going to call on her. What else? Oh, she's also called on for uh, love and lust spells, if that's your jam. But what I love the most about working with Lilith is that she when I call on her, I can feel her presence. I feel her as a part of my life, but she doesn't just give you power. She doesn't just give you things. She teaches you how to create your own power. When I'm working with her, it awakens things in my energetic field that, I don't I hadn't normally when I first started working with her. I was like, "What the hell is that? Wow, that feels amazing!" She has awoken empowerment. She teaches how to grab a hold of some confidence and turn that into self empowerment. I love that part of her. So, if you are looking for a little extra. Punch a little extra zing as far as your self-confidence goes. If you are feeling downtrodden, misunderstood, lost, she is a beautiful, uh, energy to work with. I will share, um, a couple invocations for her that I found. I'll put that in the Witchy Woman Friends group. Um, that way, if you do want to call on her and you want something formal, I found some really cool ones that i like to work with. Um, if you do work with Lilith, I would love to know how you incorporate her into your life. If she's your main deity, if she's just some, if she's a deity that you, you call on just for certain things, I would love to know that. So uh, I will make a post in the group and, and so that everybody can share. Um, speaking of the group, if you're not part of Witchy Woman Friends group, please join. Um, it's a click to join because it's a closed group so that if you're not out of the closet, broom closet I'm speaking of, nobody on your friends list is going to see what you post in there unless they're already in the group. Um, like our Facebook page, Whoopi, bleh, (laughs) Witchy, Whoopi Woman Friends, what? Witchy Woman (laughs) Friends, and where else? Oh, you can email me. If you have any questions or if you just just want to talk about the show, um, you can email me at witchywomanpodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter. I am also on Instagram at witchywomanpodcast. What else? Oh, oh, I want to talk about the Untamed Fest that is going to be happening. It's a pagan festival happening in, uh, near Fort Collins, Colorado. May 29th, I think. Let's see. I think it's 29th through the 30-something, 31st, is May 30-let me look. I'm looking at my calendar right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's the 29th through the 31st of, um, May. I am going to be speaking there. I get to do a workshop on Saturday from, I think I've got the 11.30 to 12.30 slot on on Saturday, the 30th. I would love to see my witchy woman friends all come out. If you're local, it's going to be a fun festival. They're going to do all kinds of workshops and we're going to do rituals. We're going to have vendor booths. I will be having a uh, podcast booth. So I'll have swag. I will have some witchy stuff that we're going to be doing. I haven't quite decided what kind of witchy thing I'll be offering, but, um, maybe spell candles or I don't, I don't know. But anyway, we'll be doing something. So I would love if, uh, you guys could come out. We could have a whole meet and greet. I don't, I don't know. You guys let me know what you want to do, but you can, uh, check out That. I think it's untamedfest.com, but I will post that also in the Witchy Woman Friends group. I think I did yesterday, but I will because I was so excited about the fact that I got invited to speak. So, what else? Yeah, that's the most exciting thing. I'm so stoked. May cannot get here fast enough. It's camping, it's primitive. If you like that kind of thing, this will be your jam. This is the first year of this festival. So, let's show up. If you're local, let's show up and support them because there's not enough of these pagan festivals in the Midwest. We live in, like, the second Bible Belt around here, and finding anything pagan is like finding a needle in a haystack. So, come out and support these guys and show them that they are appreciated, and let's meet each other. I want to meet other pagans in person. How cool would that be, right? So, anyway, I have rambled on enough. Um, I think I'm going to go on a walk because it doesn't look too awfully cold outside and I actually feel like it. Yay! So anyway, um, if you have any questions, please get a hold of me. Oh, you can also snail mail me. Somebody asked for my snail mail uh, address the other day. So P.O. Box 333, Hyannis, Nebraska six nine three five zero it's always in the show notes so if you cannot find where i'm at click on the show notes it's always in the bottom along with all the reference links and links to our patreon sponsors i love you guys so until next time as always stay witchy Bye bye